We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And John also had a different question. Personnel-wise, what players on offense do you want to see on the field together more? I would really like to see us, you know, again, I talked about the receiver. So outside of that, I would like to see a, a speed package, Ryan, where you go 20 personnel with love and price on the field together. Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, and Jaden Greathouse on the field together. And just say, we're coming out in this package and we're going to go tempo on this series. And we're not changing. We're not subbing out. We're, we're coming out this series and we're going tempo and just give that for people to worry about. Like I, that would be, that would be very interesting. You may, you may say put Devin Ford in there because Devin Ford showed against Ohio State. He's a pretty good lead blocker in, in certain situations. Like he can go yes. block a linebacker and get in his way and let your, your, cause that's all he needed to do is just get a body on that guy, get in his way and let Jeremiah go do what Jeremiah's going to do. You know what I mean? Like that's all you need to do. This isn't like, you know, Tom Rathman needs to blow the guy up in the hole. Like this is, it's a little bit of a different deal, but I would like to see something like that as a wrinkle. Brian, where you're just going to come out and say, okay, we've played big personnel on you, and we we just ran down your throat with 12 and 13 personnel with Audric, and the next series we're coming out with that. You know, where Jaden Greathouse is now the slowest guy on the field for you. Yeah. Like, that would that would be fun to see a little bit more of, in my opinion. I don't know how you, I don't know how you stop it. I don't know how you stop yeah. it. Like, defensively, I just I, – like, I'm thinking in my mind, like, what would Ohio State have done to stop that package? I don't – I right. mean, because then you have to worry about – Second level, Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers. You want to keep them inside, obviously. But then, like, Sonny Styles, you're subbing him out, right? Because you have to account for the speed. But then it's like, but Jeremiah Love can get downhill pretty dang well. Right? He's a he's kind of a runaway freight train himself when he gets downhill. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'd be there for that. And it's uh would not be fun defensively to stop that type of group. Yeah. And then the next series, you come out in 13 personnel and it's Audrick running back. I mean, that's that's what I just want to see a little bit more of. The only the only other thing to me, um, Ryan, that 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 I've had an issue with personnel wise is I just think they sub a little too much in series. Right. Like I have no issue with anything they're doing personnel wise 
outside of like, you know, a receiver, but just like the difference between 11, 12, 13. Like, I don't have a, an issue with a lot of that. Just, I just don't love that they do it so often within a series. I just feel like sometimes, and maybe this is why the run game doesn't necessarily start out great outside of the Central Michigan game, is because your guys don't get into any kind of rhythm. You know, Tobias is out there for two plays and Tyree's out there for two plays and then they come out, they're out for four, then they're back on for two. And then and it's just like, are you really giving your guys a chance to get it? Because football's a rhythm game, right? Like you played linebacker. Imagine if every third play you had to come out for three plays. Right. You know, it, it's going to take you longer to kind of get your reads down and, and pick up tendencies and get caught up the speed of the game if you're just constantly rotating in and out like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be my only other issue. Just stick with whatever you're going with for just a – a few more plays now series number one i'm actually somewhat okay with that to a degree as far as but but bring one guy out you know go from 11 to 12 don't go from 11 to 12 but then you shift your entire personnel group when you go from 11 to 12 series one because i do like the idea of you know mixing up my personnel packages in series one because i want to see how you're going to react to the different personnel packages Mm -hmm. but when they go from 11 to 12 early run they do like mass substitutions they change the back they changed the receipt. You know, it's like there's like it's one dude on the field that was on the field before from a skilled position right. standpoint. That's that's kind of my only my only say complaint is sometimes I think Is you she? can yeah, yeah. I just just I wonder if guys are able to really get into the flow of the game early on. And maybe yeah. that's why your receivers have a little bit of a tougher time, you know, playing with urgency because they're just they're just not up to the speed of the game yet. I, I don't know. Just mm-hmm. just some thoughts that I have. I would also like, I know you talked about like the speed package earlier from, from a running back perspective. Mm-hmm. I would also like to see, cause I feel like I haven't seen a ton of SMA and love together. And I think that that would actually be kind of interesting yeah. as far as like estimates the dive and then loves coming on like an outside pitch or something like that, potentially off of it or a swing screen or like something like that. You know, like I think that would be pretty dynamic. Because you could do different things out of it with split backfield and split backfield Ryan for them was very good against Ohio State, by the way. Uh, for those who haven't seen my breakdown, they they ran it 11 times for 61 yards against Ohio State and had a 72.7% efficiency rate out of the split backfield stuff against Ohio State. But uh, but you can also do things where you could put Jeremiah Love out in the perimeter in some of those different looks. Uh, you could run you – know, they, they've had a lot of success this year with that. They're running a swing screen to one side and a tunnel to the other. You know, where, where maybe you have Audric running the swing, and now you've got to think, like, do you really want to get a corner in space against him? And then you've got the tunnel the other side with Jeremiah. You could have Audric be the – you know, there's a lot of different things you can do out of out of that duo. Correct. You are absolutely correct. That would be interesting. And, and that I think you could do even more so out of – you know, that might be a really interesting, you know, maybe 22 personnel wrinkle with those two guys. And the next thing you know, you're lining them Jeremiah Love up outside and saying, how are you going to – how are you going to, how are you going to line up to that? You know, like there's and just, there's a lot of different things they can match up in that situation. Yeah. Like you just don't have the numbers outside in that situation. So, yeah. Right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We had Scott L. with a lot of great questions today. He said Maris Loifel hurt his shoulder against Central Michigan. He was very good to great first three games. Do you think his shoulder injury has hurt his play? If so, do you think Notre Dame sees that and will adjust the linebacker rotation? You have a thought on that, Ryan? Did he get hurt I, against I, Central Michigan? Did I, I, I didn't that? know that. I mean, he got a little bit of a stinger, I believe, but I mean, it wasn't happens. like an injury. Linebackers get stingers. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean – I think that the one thing about Maris is that Maris is playing a lot better this year, but I think you need to understand though, and this is just my opinion is that Maris is still going to be a little bit up and down at times just because he's still not a super consistent player. He's been more consistent this year. There's no doubt about it, but there's still a little bit of volatility to how he plays the game. And there's a little bit of sometimes the playing with your hair on fire is going to work. Sometimes it's not right. Sometimes you come a little bit out of control at times. So I, I don't think it's an injury thing though, because like I, I talked about that play where off the big touchdown run by Travion, like he contacted the puller would force and force the guy into a bad situation. There was no like tentativeness to be physical, right? So I, I don't think it's an injury thing personally. Tyler Evans says, fun question. Most loyal fan base in college football and the biggest bandwagon fans in college football. Oh man. Well, right now the biggest bandwagon fans of college football are at Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like USC has a lot of bandwagon fans usually. Too. Miami's they don't that really way. Care too. about them until they're good and then they all yeah. pitch on. Yeah. Miami and USC are my top two, Ryan. Is they yeah. are they are the two most bandwagon fans in college football on a by rule. Uh yeah. Colorado went from no one caring about them to now like you've got famous people and and it's and it's it's they're really not oh, even Colorado man. fans. They're Dion fans. Is really I, I was I was so annoyed by the way because I was trying to look up what the like a, the visitor list for the recruits that might be at that Colorado game, and the only visitor list you can find is the stupid celebrities that are going to be there this yeah. weekend. I'm just like okay, yeah. I don't I don't care about who's going. Is it Pete Diddy's yeah. going? I forget who's going. I'm just like, who, okay, who gives a crap? Care. Right? How's <laughs> how's it going to help them win football games or recruit better players? It's like in, in fairness to the Colorado people, they they've they've covered a team that no one cared about, so I don't think they really know how to handle that people actually care now. Oh, I, know, I, so I, I, I don't hate it all on like out. the I don't hate on all on the media members that like put those articles up because yeah. like uh, it's news, I guess. Right. Like, fine. It, I don't it, care. It's but. not to me, but I get it. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> some people like I, it. Some people like it. So yeah. if you're going to do that, I guess, you know, after you've already put all the recruiting stuff out, maybe, but no, it's just, that's clear. There's no recruiting stuff out there. I couldn't find yeah, anything about the kids that are visiting this. Weekend. And that's going to impact the program way more than yeah. whether some freaking rapper I've never heard of. I mean, other people have, that's fine. But even if it's yeah. someone that I've known, if freaking Tupac, you know, or well, I guess if he was raised from the dead, that might draw a crowd. Uh, but like well, even someone I dead. know. He's in Mexico somewhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, like if the Wu-Tang Clan showed up, since that's from my generation, like, well, okay, so what? That's not going to help Colorado win football games. That that quarterback that they got on campus from Texas, that's a pretty good football player that might be able to take over for Shador when he leaves. That's important. But whatever. Yeah. 
and um, uh, so who's the most loyal fan base though? That was uh, oh, most loyal fan base. I feel oh, like man. I'm not a big fan of the Florida fan base, but like I feel like the University of Florida has a really like loyal fan base for the most part. They have they're loyal, they're just nuts. Like, yeah, they're, they're oh, well, that's part why they're yeah. loyal though. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go. Here's one I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Auburn. Because to live in to live in Alabama and to not be an Alabama fan after all these years, to not have switched allegiances after six national titles, you're a pretty yeah. loyal fan to Auburn. Like you're a pretty a, loyal fan at that point in time. I feel like Texas A&M's a pretty loyal fan base too. They're always yeah. there rocking, like even when they yeah. suck. So Texas yeah. A&M's a good fan base. That's I a good one for the most part. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, there's always everything. there's always these ones that like it. If your school sucks, always. Every the people that actually call them, like if you call yourself a Vanderbilt football fan, you're a loyal dude. You're a loyal yeah. lady. Like that's you know like what I mean. The, that's like the Cleveland Browns have been for the longest yeah. time, but like they still got the dog pound every single week, man. They still yep. show up. So cool. They still them. care. They still they still live with the disappointment constantly. Right. We had our next question was from Tyler Evans. Says biggest upset this season this year so far. I have a tie between Northwestern and Minnesota or Sacramento State versus Stanford. I think that Northwestern Minnesota one's a, a good one. I, yeah, I didn't I mean, expect that one to happen. No, Northwestern's not good. They are not well, good. You know, so, you know who else yeah. isn't good? You know who else isn't good? That Minnesota quarterback is not a good oh, football yeah. player, man. He's bad. He's a really bad player. Yeah. Uh, the they, Virginia over NC State was about to be that. Yeah, for a second. That would have been a big one. That would have been a big one. And then Virginia remembered, wait, we're Virginia, so let's blow this thing real quick. Uh, BC even, over I, Florida State was almost the biggest yes. one. I mean, there's been a couple really close calls of what would have been huge upsets, Ryan. That, that BC game was weird, man. That was a weird yeah, game. Florida State very. just did. They slept, walked through that entire yeah. game, and they even got up on them, but BC came crawling back. It was just like, what the heck yep. is happening right now? Yeah. Um, Sac State, Stanford did not even shock me slightly. Sacramento State's one of the best FCS schools, and Stanford yes. is a team depleted of talent right now. Yes. So, yeah, not surprised I, at all. I don't think and, that the was – go ahead, Ry. I was just going to say, and Troy Taylor is the coach of Stanford that coached Sacramento State. So you don't think Sacramento State knew a little bit of, like, what he exactly. would do offensively in that game? <laughs> like, and you hired yeah. him because he did a great job building that program up, right? I mean, so uh, there's, there's that, too. I don't think the Missouri win over Kansas State got enough attention. That was a very good win for Missouri. I don't particularly care for their coach much, but that was a very good win. I wouldn't call it like a huge upset, yeah. but it was a big win. It was a very big win. You like I don't, Yeah, I don't know that there's been a – I mean, have there been a, a ton of other big upsets? Nah, not really. I, mean, I don't even count James Madison beating Virginia as an upset anymore. I'd have been actually a little oh, no, bit I, more I, surprised. I, I predicted that won. one to happen. <laughs> Yeah. That was an easy oh, prediction, man. Oh, here's actually one that was a surprise. Vanderbilt getting beat at, at by UNLV. That was and uh, oh, here's one. Miami of Ohio beating Cincinnati. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. That was a big one a couple weeks ago. That was a really good win. Field. Really good win. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. South I, I some things I completely forgot about because they weren't ranked teams, but South Alabama smashing Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. That was Oklahoma a big one. State is not a good team this year, man. They're not no. you know who their quarterback is. You know who the quarterback is? Mm-mm. It's um, oh, what was the kid's name? Started at Texas Tech, transferred up to Michigan, and no one even knew about it. It was just a backup there for a couple. Talking about years. Bowman? Ba- yeah, Alan Bowm- Bowman. is their starting quarterback. Yes, oh. is their starting quarterback? Yeah. Oh, that's it, man. Yep. That's rough. 
Yes. That's really rough. And he's been very rough. Yes. Yeah. Very, very rough. Yeah. Apparently they have a good running back too, but like their passing game apparently is just stupid bad because they just don't have a quarterback. So yeah. BYU beating Arkansas at Arkansas, I thought was a pretty, pretty good one. And I still, I mean, at the time, I still think the TCU over Colorado upset was really big. I mean, to me, that was a big one because I thought TCU was going to smack Colorado. I really did. You know, and yeah, I, um, I didn't think much of Colorado coming into the season. So I'd still probably put that one probably at the top of my list. Yeah. And it was at TCU. But the Northwestern over Minnesota one was was a, a pretty good one as well. Didn't Boston College lose to a really bad team this year? Like Northern really Illinois. Bad? I don't Northern Illinois, but I um they almost lost to an FCS team. They uh yeah. they beat Holy Cross by three. Holy Cross yeah, at least they, is a really good FCS team. Yeah. But like, and yeah, by the way, good. speaking of of that win, Northern Illinois, now yeah. 10, 15 years ago, that's not a bad loss, as bad of a loss. But since beating Boston College at Boston College, they lost to Southern Illinois 14 to 11 at home. Yes. They lost at Nebraska 35 to 11. And yeah. they lost at home to Tulsa 22 to 14. So, yeah. They. Northern Illinois was bad last year too, if I remember correctly. Like, I don't yeah. think they were a very good team. Last they haven't been year good in a while. Yeah, yeah, they haven't been good. They were they were three and nine last year. It's a bad loss, man. Yeah. I, I didn't think much of the Boston College team coming into this year, but like that's a really bad loss. Yeah, really bad. Yep, really bad. Yeah, they uh, Jeff Halfley's uh, he's in trouble. They're not starting Emmett Moorhead, by the way. They're starting some other kid, Castellanos. Yeah, Castellanos. Yeah, yeah. young kid from Florida. Yeah, yeah, he was originally committed to UCF. And then uh, ended up at BC. I don't even. I he, I don't. He might have transferred. I don't even know if like if he flipped or if he transferred. I. It's I a no weird situation. Yeah. yeah. Now he spent his front. Yeah, he was a, he was at UCF as a freshman. Okay. So he came to Boston College this year, and he's starting for them. So, yeah, it. Um, I don't know what he's doing, to be honest with you. I I really don't know what Halfley's doing. I actually thought Emmett Moorhead did some nice things last year. I didn't hate I mean, him more at all. I didn't hate him at yeah. all. I mean, he played I mean, terrible against Notre Dame, but like otherwise, sure. Good so did the entire team. Yes. But, you know, he bounced back against, you know, the next week against Syracuse and, and played good football. I mean, you know, 252, completed 76% of his throws for two touchdowns. And then the week before, you know, he had thrown back, or the two weeks before, he had thrown back to back 300 yard games against Duke and NC State, lost 31 38 to Duke, and then beat NC State, a ranked NC State team on the road in game. He threw three touchdown passes. And then he comes out this year and just gets benched in the opener. I mean, yeah. it's like I thought he had some really, talent. Yeah. yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense. But that kid, I wonder if it's just because here's what I wonder, Ryan. That kid's real mobile. Castellanos is a real mobile kid, and their offensive line is garbage. Yes, and I wonder if they're just like we can't have a quarterback that's that's it's, just sitting back in the pocket. He'll get killed. Their offensive line's bad, but it's better than it was last year. Last year it was atrocious. <laughs> a low man. That bar. Was a terrible offensive line. One of the worst I've seen. It was it was worse than the 2007 Notre Dame offensive line. It was definitely probably. worse than that. I don't even remember, but like, yeah, probably. That was a bad old line. <laughs> that yeah. was a really well, bad old line. That Boston College one, man. Shoot, last yeah. year. Should, especially after yeah. you lost Christian Mahogany before the season, you're like, your only returning starting offensive lineman is also hurt. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yep. We had a super chat from Riza. Thank you, Riza. What starters with eligibility left do you think will opt for the draft? I mean, we're talking about postseason declarations already, man. Doing it. Well, Ryan, just projecting you're the draft guy. So why don't you um, take a crack at that? 
All right. Well, Sam Hartman, no eligibility left. Aldrich Estime most likely will opt for the draft as long as he continues doing what he's doing, in my opinion. Wide receiver-wise, I don't think anyone opts for the draft. I don't know. I don't think Receiver-wise? So. Yeah. You think I opt for the draft? I don't know. That eligibility left? I'm probably not. I mean, Jaden Thomas isn't. Tobias yeah. isn't. I mean, Tobias yeah. can't. I don't right. know that Tyree will. Um, Chris Tyree was the only one that was on the top of my mind. Is like, yeah. Maybe. I mean, if I was him, if Notre Dame yeah. doesn't use him better, if I was him, I'd just transfer somewhere else that's going to play me more. Because I don't know that he will have built up the resume to be picked. You know, right. like I think he needs more time playing that position. Sure. So tight, it'll be tight end wise, I think both those kids come back. Um, well, Mitch, well, Holden State's can't leave. So, but like Mitchell Evans goes back to school more than likely. I think that Joe Alt will declare early. Blake Fisher. I would if so. I, if I was a if I was a person that did if I was consulting Blake Fisher, I would tell Blake Fisher go back to school personally. Yes. But that doesn't mean that Blake Fisher will necessarily do that. I have no idea right. what he's going to do. But that's the he's only coming off of. I thought he was pretty good, by the way, against Ohio State. He had one bad pat. Like he was, he was, he got knocked back into the quarterback on that last drive on that first yep. pass. But outside of that, I thought Blake was very good against Ohio State. I, Their I edges didn't really make a ton of plays during that game in general. And so when they did, they weren't being blocked by the tackles. They were being like, like yeah. the play that got blown up on that run. They let him upfield. They were going to kick him out. He just got there mm-hmm. quick and Sam rushed it. I still think if Sam rides the handoff, he, he gets inside of that at the very least, let him tackle the running back. There was a lot wrong with that play. A lot wrong. Yeah. With that. Anyway, continue defensively. Yeah. Uh, defensively. I Does Riley Mills have eligibility left? Because of he COVID. Does. So does Howard Cross, technically. Yeah. I'm, for some reason, I, I feel like Riley Mills might enter. I don't know, though. That's just that's just speculation on my part. I don't have any in, inside info on that one. But Riley Mills, possibly. Defensive end-wise, everyone should come back. They can come back. Javante John Baptiste is a six-year senior, so he'll be gone, obviously. Yeah. Linebacker-wise, Linebacker-wise is probably the toughest question for me. Like, uh, J.D. maybe leaves, right? Like, uh, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting one because it's all COVID years. I mean, they're all six-year COVID years. And you run the risk of, okay, if we do that again and we make our young kids sit on the bench for another year behind those guys, are they going to stay? Why would they stay? You know, like mm-hmm. you guys are just going to keep sitting me behind a bunch of six year seniors. I can go somewhere. I need to go somewhere and play. That's going to actually play me. And yep. uh, that's why I thought it was such a missed opportunity. This is no offense to Jack Kaiser, but that's why it was such a missed opportunity that they didn't play Drake Bowen at more at Mike against central Michigan. See what yeah. you have. See what you have. I thought, they were, from I thought they were going to for a second there too. And yeah. then they opted not to, but yeah. yeah. Um, secondary wise cam hearts out of eligibility otherwise i think everyone should go back to school i i think cam technically has a covid year does he really still yeah because he redshirted (laughs) in 19 and then covid was 20 okay so So he he falls in line with the covid year stuff yeah sure yeah but i don't have to your point yeah agree yeah agree nobody else should believe that should like you know if uh, Benjamin Morrison wants to petition the uh, NFL to be like, hey, man, I think I've done enough after two years. Let me come out. But yeah, otherwise, yeah. no. Don't see no, that. Yeah. yeah I, my question is, is what Mike, Mike, I don't know if they're going to do it safety. Like I could see this. It, like Ramon Henderson, you know, it's like, do you bring him back for a fifth? 
You know what I mean? I, like, I feel like that's more like those guys might transfer somewhere. Than right. Like leave from right. the NFL, you know, like, yeah. I don't, Ramon Henderson has definitely not done enough to be like, I'm going to the NFL. Like, yeah. Right. But the question <laughs> is, 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 is if you don't bring them back, then what do they do? Right. You know, like, um, the only safety that I could see maybe declaring is Xavier Watts if he had a big year, but we're five year five games in and he's played well, but he hasn't played well enough to where it's like I'm as a true senior, yeah, he should leave. Like it'd be one thing if Xavier was a fifth year guy. It's like, dude, I got my bachelor's, I got my master's. Like, dude, you're you're a true mm-hmm. senior. And mm-hmm. and because Xavier already graduated, he could actually and be a fifth year guy that leaves with a master's. You know, and and he needs to he needs to improve his he unless he just goes nuts the last seven games, Ryan. And I, yep. I I just he's played well at times, but he's got he still has a lot to a lot of room for his game to continue to get better. He's the one safety that I think, based on what we've seen, based on his talent, based on his instincts, could could see his game make a big jump. Still, DJ is what he is. Ramon is what he is by now. I mean, it just he just is. And we haven't seen Ramon Hernandez change as a player or Ramon Henderson change as a player in three years, you mm-hmm. know? So uh, he is what he is. It Xavier is the only one of the veterans. And I, I'm very curious to see what, you know, like, look, I don't know, man. I just, I'm ready to see different blood at safety. I'm ready to see Antonio Carter mm-hmm. get more snaps. I'm ready to see, and I'm going to talk about DJ Brown. I'm talking about Ramon Henderson. He's probably been the biggest yeah. disappointment for me so far this year. I just, I like he's regressed. I would like to see more Antonio Carter too, because I know he had like that um, helmet to helmet hit the one game, but at least that hit was like the kids coming down aggressively and like yep. showing you something, you know what I yep. mean? It's just a head placement thing, but yeah, I, yep. I, I definitely need some more impact at safety. And at this point it's like, are you just going to keep beating your head against the wall? Or are you going to try something different? You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's I just, kind of my you may disagree and this may be an emotional reaction, Ryan. I don't think that is. I don't think Ramon Henderson is as good of a player right now as he was the last five games of last year. Like, I think he's a less effect. He had that one great interception against Tennessee state, but outside of that, he's done nothing. Missing he, tackles, um, not being, he's even less yeah. physical now than he was last year as a player. The only time I've, so, I've noticed Ramon Henderson is him, making a bad play or a bad read so yeah it yeah. doesn't outside out of that one pick way. that's it yeah that was a against nice play. tennessee yeah, state otherwise. against tennessee yeah. state you know sure. it's like yeah i just it's it's disappointing too because he really is an athletic dude he just isn't a football he's very player. athletic he's got some just, range but yeah just he's not, not a football player good. Yeah. So yeah, I I would really ramp up the reps for antonio because I, I i'd be willing to bet you antonio carter would have been aggressive playing that playing that ball so. I you think know, so. and I think he's a good athlete. End. Like he moves yeah. well, in my opinion. I don't, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. He's I, an I FBS like, caliber athlete at safety. He's just not an FBS caliber safety at corner in a place like Notre Dame, a power yeah, five caliber athlete at corner, in my opinion. And and, every, and all Notre Dame fans throw shade at DJ Brown, but like, it's not DJ Brown's fault that like there's not anybody really better than him right, right. now, which is like it's well, so frustrating. And, and <laughs> I'll tell you this, Ryan, if if Ramon would have played that seam the way that DJ was playing the backside seam, he breaks up the pass. <laughs> oh, he may not. He wouldn't have intercepted it because DJ can't catch. It would seem, but DJ played that backside seam perfectly. He squatted right at the end zone, and as soon as he cleared, he he drove on it. Yeah, you know, like. And and if Ramon would have played the front side scene the exact same way, he breaks up the pass and it's fourth and nineteen with, you know, ten seconds, ten eight nine ten seconds left, something like that. 
right? DJ so, would have at least knocked the ball down. He would have at least yes. knocked the ball down. He wouldn't have created yes. a turnover, but like then it would have been fourth and 19 and it's a completely different conversation at that Correct. point. Correct. So, yeah. Correct. Yep. yep. Absolutely. You know, you know what's weird is that like DJ made a similar play that he dropped the pick on against NC State working through contact, which was a much harder play. He made that one, which was just mm-hmm. weird. I don't understand yep. how that happened. Because you said he's a smart, instinctive kid. He's just not a real good athlete and he's not and he can't catch. Right. But yeah. Yeah. If it, a safety needs to be replaced right now. Yes. It's oh, yeah. not DJ. DJ has a role. It's just right now because no one else has stepped up. You need DJ to be a starter. Volume That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, because I think we would have a completely different opinion on DJ if he was like your second string start, second string safety, where he's getting like 15 snaps a game, where you're just like, okay, cool. That's fine. That's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But the fact that he's playing. 40 plus snaps a game and starting like that's where the issues have the yep. problem. Yep. Cause a uh, dropped interception is a whole lot better than not reacting to the ball at all. And letting it get caught for a 21 yard game. Yep. Brandon Plensner has a question of speaking of stretching the field vertically. Do you can see Cam Williams starting out at field wide receiver at the next level or someone else? How about Logan Saldante? Well, starting out, if we're talking about what position he'll play, I would assume he'll be a field guy next yep. year. Uh, I, I could see him eventually being a boundary guy, depending yeah. on how his body develops. But like, he's yeah. definitely an outside receiver. Is the point? Yeah. Though. Yes. Saldate is a lot. He's a Z and an X, a Z and an X, a Z and an F to me. He could play yep. slot and the field. I think right now they project him as a slot, but they've also talked about putting Micah Gilbert at slot. As well, slot um, in my opinion. At yeah, the next level, he but, he could yeah. he's a more yeah. dynamic version of what Jaden Thomas was last year. Now, what I've seen from Jaden from Micah Gilmer this year, I could of of the current roster, I think he could play boundary of the current roster because he, he's he such a physical one on one pass catcher. I think he's a lot like Jaden Greathouse. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not pretty all the time, but like it's efficient and he wins. Yeah. You know and what I mean? Like it's just wrong yeah. at the catch at the catch point. Oh yeah, I, I think very I, strong. I, I think I think Micah Gilbert though would be a dynamic slot receiver. Like I think he would be yeah. tremendous. He's a really good route technician. He's strong. He can play through contact. He would be really good. But he can also line up outside at times and win contested catches, 50-50 balls, you know, and yep. he's been a little bit more explosive this year than he was as a junior, in my opinion. I know he was banged up a lot as a junior, so like maybe yeah. that's why, but like he definitely looks like he has a little bit more of a second gear than what he had as a junior as well. The only reason this is response to to what Brandon said in the chat. The only reason I wouldn't ideally want Micah Gilbert in the boundary. I think right now, if he was on this current team, I would play him in the boundary. Yeah. If I can build the receiving core the way that I want it, the reason I wouldn't put him in the boundaries, I prefer my boundary guy to be a guy that can win contested catches and be physical. But I've got, I really ideally want a guy that can take the top off the defense as well. Yes. I think that's what made Miles Boykin effective in 2018 is Miles could take, he could win the back shoulders. He could win this comebacks, but he could take the top off the defense as well uh, with his size. And, and, and Miles was a lot like Tobias in that he had really good long speed. He was a guy that needed time to build up that speed, but once he did, he could run past you. Um, And, um, but that's the only reason Micah would, if in a perfect world, Micah's not a boundary on this team, he could be. But in a perfect world, he he would not be. I, I think Cam Williams, when he's like in his second, third year at Notre Dame, he's going to be a guy that you're like, he could play either outside spot. He could play anywhere. At it. He could, like, Ryan, he could, you could move <laughs> Cam Williams into the slot 
and he could dominate. Oh, you could if you wanted when to. He's a you could if you Absolutely. wanted to. Yeah. He could play anywhere. He's that good. He's been that good. I haven't done the grade yet to know if he's going to get bumped up to a five-star. I'll be shocked if his grades don't come out to a five-star when I do it, when I regrade him. He's been phenomenal. You, you know what's phenomenal. funny, Brian, is like so, someone asked me the other day of like him in contested catch situations, and I'm like, I have no idea if he's good at it because he's never in contested catch situations because he's stacking everyone. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> you know what's funny is he actually was pretty good at that as a sophomore. Yeah, and he was skinnier because he wasn't as explosive as a sophomore. No one and, can and stay so, connected to him anymore, right. man. He's just he he's was stacking dudes left and right. One of the things about him, and I actually think, actually, let me let me look it up because I think I actually talked about that in his um, commit profile, which mm-hmm. was built off of sophomore and junior film. But I, I actually, I think I remember writing about that at one point in time, where we, where he, he was pretty good at winning the contested catches. Yeah, he shows the contested catch skill to thrive at the next level. Uh, then I followed up. This was my addition as a junior is the problem is high school defenders are rarely close enough to allow him to make those plays. And, the and they're even there. less close than they are right. as a senior, man. Like it's yes. wild. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but the, but as a sophomore, he, like there was one catch he made as a sophomore, where, like a guy was hanging on his left arm and he catches it with one hand. I think we actually have a picture of it in the, um, that in our, in the, like a, that's been in there for a long time, Ryan, yeah. that, um, that, uh, that shows that, but yeah, he, he showed it earlier, but to your point, Ryan, lately, it's just, I, I, I haven't seen a clip as a senior. I haven't seen a clip as a senior. That was a contested catch of Cam Williams this year. Everything is no. him screen or wide open vertically. Like that's just all it is, no. man. Like he is just running by dude. and like even the better teams he's played so far. It's just like, they have no answers for him. Like there's right. zero answers. He had one game where he caught, um, the quarterback, Michael Champlain, I think is his name. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but he completed four passes because they only played like the first half. Cam Williams had all four catches for 170 yards at a football yeah. game. Like it just doesn't make any yeah. sense. It's nuts. Yeah. He's oh. been he's been special so far this year. Yes. He he really has. He really has. But um yeah, I, I play him wherever the heck he wants, to be honest with you. <laughs> Wherever the hey man, he, he makes plays on defense too, so maybe he could play safety for you as well. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching now. He like ran a screen. He switches hands. He outruns the defense to the sideline, and, and it's just it's goes. such easy speed too, man. Yeah. Like he's not a laboring runner. Like he's just right. smooth all the way through, but yeah. he just keeps gaining ground on dudes. It's wild. Actually, I was wrong. That was Micah Gilbert that actually just did that play. Oh, really? I I actually pulled up Micah Gilbert's film instead of Cam Williams' film. Uh, but yeah, Micah Gilbert did that. He he's also smooth. He's just not as explosive as Cam is. No. But I, I'll say this: I think Micah Gilbert's made the biggest improvement from junior to senior. Like Cam has definitely improved, but there wasn't as there was only so much better Cam could be after his junior year. You made a point yeah. to me the other day, Ryan. And, and and are you are you? We talked about where Cam ranks. Are you okay with me bringing up that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. You made a point the other day, and and you made this statement, and I, and I couldn't really disagree with you. And I'm a big Micah Hudson fan, but you said other than Jeremiah Smith, is there anybody any receiver in the country that you would definitely say is better than Cam Williams right now? And I'm not and even I, sure that I would yeah. say that Jeremiah Smith is like head and shoulders above Cam. Yeah. Like it's a conversation at this yeah. point, in my opinion, because they're different, right? Like Jeremiah Smith's more a little taller. He's more of like a catch point dynamo type right. of kid, a little bit different than Cam, but like he, he's more he's more Marvin Harrison. Would you say he's more of a Marvin Harrison type, you know, six, four long vertical yeah, guy, especially longer, what Marvin yeah. was coming. Cause Marvin Harrison wasn't this explosive coming out of high school. 
he, yeah. he's gotten a lot faster, but you know, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Cam's yeah. Cam's more explosive. He's definitely yeah. more explosive. He's a goodness gracious. He's good. Yeah. He's Micah Gilbert's been, man. Micah Gilbert's been really good. I think Some you said this to me the other day. He already really has more too. yards through what four games than he's yeah. ever had in a season in his career in high school. He he had he was he had, was at like thirty four catches for five hundred yards through four games, and that was the most receiving yards he had in his entire career in any season. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Bob's an idiot. Asks, what are your thoughts on the Louisville versus North Carolina State game tonight? Are we facing an undefeated Louisville next? season or next week well we chatted about that a little bit yesterday ryan and we both said that we we it's good for notre dame if they are yep i just feel like nc state just has not made the jump offensively i I didn't expect them to be very good on offense but i thought they'd just kind of get better and better and better each week they were they have looked like the same offense in every game they've played so far which is not the only player i've seen improvements of is that concepcion kid the young wide freshman the freshman he's been playing pretty well but otherwise yeah Yeah. their offense was just it was really bad against virginia like surprisingly bad against virginia so i um i don't yeah he he's got he's got 22 catches for 238 yards concepcion their next their next highest catch guy is Porter Rooks with nine. And their next highest yards guy is Julian Gray with 116. That's way too much volume into one guy. Yep. Way, way too much. Yeah. It's it's been a problem. Give me give me problem. Louisville to win that one. Just yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Louisville's a weird team, Ryan, because they looked great this past week. Um yep. but uh because you know, they they blew out Boston College this past week, and they looked really good against Georgia Tech. Come they they had to come back against Georgia Tech, if I remember correctly. Georgia Tech, I think, had a, a pretty big lead. It was like twenty. Was it to the like other three or something like that? Like yeah, it was, yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was a, yeah, yeah. And uh, ever since, like they're like so, like they looked really terrible coming out. Then they had this great comeback. Georgia Tech was up, or yeah, Georgia Tech was up twenty eight thirteen at halftime. But it was twenty eight to yeah, it was twenty eight thirteen at halftime, and then Louisville scored the next twenty five points uncontested, and took yeah. a thirty eight twenty eight thirty nine twenty eight lead, and then Georgia Tech scored like a minute left to make it even yeah. that. So they went down twenty eight thirteen to up thirty nine twenty eight, and but then they all then they barely beat Indiana, and, and it looks like Indiana might actually have a pretty decent defense this year, Ryan. I mean. They're playing hard. They gave up twenty-seven to Akron. This what's that? They're playing hard under Tom Allen. Yeah, we'll give them that. They're playing. Yeah, this past week against Akron wasn't great. Uh, defensively, they they gave up a lot there, but like they were pretty pretty salty the first three games uh, on defense. But yeah, they're they're just they're not very good. So I, which Louisville team shows up and does can NC State make improvement? But the way those two teams have played, I just here's the thing I'll say. Here's the one thing I'll say. What's that? It's at is NC it at, State. It's at NC State, yeah. I believe it's at NC State. Hold on, let me just check real that quick. sounds correct. It is at NC State. Here's the only the only thing that I would say is can NC State's pass rush get to Jack Plummer? That that right. could be their saving grace to me. Mm-hmm. But um the last two games, NC State's had five total sacks against VMI and Virginia, and they the lack of disruptiveness against Virginia was surprising to me. Yeah, 
Like they let that he little quarterback off go off on them. It does. I thought that they quarterbacks thought all right be, though, man. He's dude, okay. He, He's they made right. him look like a dude. They yeah. made him look like who was that? Uh, Todd Reesing. So oh, yeah. I love Todd Reesing. Yeah, man. yep. Reesing. Yep. That game was so good. <laughs> uh, Joe Alt delete with current play of the safeties. Do you think Chris O'Leary is getting the job done with recruiting coaching? Would it be too much to promote Mike Mickens to be a pass game defensive coordinator and have him coach both? I wouldn't do that. I, I think you, you can't give him more responsibility overall and now ask him to coach two positions. No, uh, could I, would I be okay if like they hired a, a really good young GA that could coach safeties and then Mickens oversaw him? Oh, okay, sure. But, you know, look, I don't want to do anything to take away the job that Mike Mickens is doing coaching corners. To answer yep. your question bluntly, Ryan, recruiting wise, no, he's not getting the job done. We've talked about no. that. And this, we said before, this is a big year for Chris O'Leary. Now, I don't want to be too strong in this comment because we're five games in and maybe they get better, right? Sure. Nobody in the country is who they are, is going to be, is who they are now, who they're just going to be the rest of the year. Every team's going to be going up or down, right? I mean, one way or the other. I will say that I have been disappointed with the play of the safety so far this year. There's been a couple moments. Like I thought they did really well in the second half against NC State. And DJ Brown uh, had the best game of his career against NC State, flat out. And it wasn't just the pick, just the whole game. I thought DJ was very good. And then he misses the Central Michigan game. And, and, and he wasn't bad against Ohio State, but it just he wasn't very good either. He just Ohio State found a couple matchups. They could go at him, got a personal uh, pass interference on him, drops the interception, you know, I mean, stuff like that. But he – he had that big miss, but he wasn't terrible against Ohio State. He he was DJ. Yep. And the fact that you have not been able to coach up Ramon Henderson and Antonio Carter and the young guys enough to be able to take some of those snaps away from Ramon or those other guys to me is uh, is, is problematic. It, it just yep. is. And, you know, again, there's, we're not even halfway through the season, so it could get better. But as far as just like a the the current report card of, of where it is, that's a – that's concerning to me. It's well, I mean, very I think concerning re- to me. Re- recruiting is very concerning because, I mean, you call it what it is, man. You lucked into Bronte Johnson, right? Like Bronte Johnson wanted to be right. a Notre Dame. Like that is ultimately, it wasn't like you had to convince Bronte Johnson, like, hey, man, come play a Notre Dame. Like one, he's an Indiana right. kid. And as soon as he got his grades right, it was like, okay, cool. I'm going to Notre Dame. That, that's awesome. Otherwise, I mean, there were so many. You ended up with some good players, ultimately, even outside of Bronte, in my opinion. But like ultimately, the process sucked. Like it was a bad yeah. process. You missed on right. so many different safeties. You missed on so many. So 2025, I think, is a make or break it year for recruiting at safety position. It's and a good with, spot early. Like it's a really good with, spot. But, right. With Tabron yeah. Benny Powell, too. That was more that was as much of a Chad Bowden thing as it was Chris O'Leary. I'm starting to very much trust those early. Chad, trust me, type of conversations, right? Like he said ben the same Minnick. thing about Ben Minnick last year. And it's I like, said the same thing. I don't think you were hired yet, but I, I, I think I, I don't think you were hired yet. But I didn't love a Don Schuler as a sophomore when because remember okay. they took him. We were going off sophomore film. I was like, you know, he's a smart kid, tough kid, but I don't yeah. know that I see it. And 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 I was told, you know, look, just wait for try, it, yeah. just just wait. And 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 same with Ben Minnick. We said, hey, look. They're telling us they love this kid. They saw him at camp. They love him. I'm just going to have to give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't see it on film. We both said that. And then yeah. senior year is like, okay, yeah, this kid's a good football player. No, but even really still, good. Ben Minnick was my lowest ranked player on the defensive class last year, which, A, says a lot about how good last year's defensive class was, number one. Yep. yep. But, you know, still, it's just like 
you need him to be your third or fourth safety if you're trying to beat Georgia and Bama consistently and Ohio State consistently. You like imagine if Notre Dame had Alohi Gilman and Jalen Elliott on Saturday against against Ohio State. You know who makes an interception on that last drive? Alohi Gilman. Either one of those guys. Jalen Elliott, 100%. Kyle Hamilton, right? I mean, so it's it's been problematic in that regard, Ryan, that you have not been able to to recruit better. Now, as you said, you're in a good position here in 2025. Jadon Blair and 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 um you know, Ethan Long and Ivan Taylor, and and yeah. there's a lot of kids on the board. Jordan Young, who's going to be – Ryan's got an article out of the players that are going to be at the Duke game this year. Jadon Blair is going to be at the Duke game. I promise you – well, this is just my opinion, but I'd be willing to bet you that Jadon Blair is there as much to see, much more to see Notre Dame than he is there to see Duke. And right? They've, I been, just, they, they've been doing a tremendous job in recruiting a couple of these kids. Like, yeah. Jadon Blair was a kid that, like – liked Notre Dame but like didn't really like Notre Dame you know and then they finally get him mm-hmm. on campus it's like okay I really like Notre Dame so I mean yeah you have a chance to have a safety class of Dayton Blair Ivan Taylor and Ethan Long potentially where yeah. it's like that would be amazing that's a really really good safety class I mean but you were in a good position with a couple other safeties at a point in 2024 and you didn't close on any of them right, right. like that's the thing you were in a Notre Dame fans forget Brian, but like Notre Dame was in a pretty good spot with Jalen McLean pretty early on in that recruitment, and then it just faded, and then it was mm-hmm. done. And yeah, you need you need to show that you can close on those types of kids. We had TD Brammy four who says, "Do you think Tobias Merriweather should be the first read more often?" I recall a play last week where he absolutely smoked the DB off the line, and Sam Hartman never looked his way. If he just glanced over, it's a touchdown. Right, because it wasn't his read didn't take him there. I would definitely like to see more stuff, Ryan, that they would design more to get him and Chris Tyree the football more. Uh, and it's two to three more touches a game. This is the whole point you and I talked about this year. Notre Dame doesn't need to get Tobias Merriweather 80 catches this year. He can do a lot with four catches a game. Chris Tyree can do a lot with four or five touches a game. The fact that Chris Tyree has not received a jet sweep all year has yeah, I don't think he's caught a single screen pass all year. I know he's not a shifty guy, but the reality is we've seen him go for over 20 yards on a reverse. Uh, you know, like the fact we didn't see that on Saturday, just something you know to slow Ohio State down. You know who else isn't a shifty guy? Jane Greathouse, and I'm seeing him do pretty well on some screens occasionally yeah. there too, right? I mean, yeah. Right. So you don't but need you got that, that speed guy. He, he can crease it. I mean, just that's been a thing is like the pass game just kind of is what it is it doesn't look like there's a lot of thought into let's get this guy the ball. Let's get that guy the ball. And that's been a little puzzling. Like they're doing that in the run game. They're like, hey, let's put Jeremiah Love in there with purpose. We're putting Jeremiah Love in there and we're going to run him this way. You know, Jeremiah Love has been running counters and buck sweeps. And this week they put him in with the two back look. It was a different wrinkle. And they did some different things to utilize him specific to this is going to work for him. Yep. And and they just have not had that same intentionality in the past game to me, right? And the only guy that they have done that with has been Jaden Greathouse, which is fine, fine. They need to find more ways to – and, again, sometimes it's like this is what I think guys like Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day do a very good job of. I need to get this guy the ball. So in this situation, we're going to put Emeka in the slot and again this matchup, and we're going to we're going to go right to him. And mm-hmm. I don't think – Notre Dame doesn't do any of that. They don't do that. We're like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put Chris Terry in the game. We're gonna get him the ball on this concept. Like, there needs to be three 
three to four plays that are just, they're going to Chris. There's no other option. It's going to Chris. And then you can get him a couple check downs where he can, you know, catch a check. I mean, he's had last two games, he's had huge conversions on, on, on crossing routes, check downs. He did, he had one against central Michigan that converted to third nine on the first drive of the game. And if he gets hit earlier, he's up the sideline. He had a big 25 yard gain on the first drive against Ohio state. that got them out of being backed up in their own, you know, back, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you get into a situation where, you know, you don't see him the rest of the game. Now, as you saw in the breakdown that I did at Irish breakdown, there were multiple plays where Chris Tyree was coming open. He just wasn't part of that initial read. And so to me, you know, look, I just, I feel like you're, you're doing these things in the run game that I really like. The pass game is just kind of an afterthought when it, schematically, and, and, and I'm trying to find that question that kind of address this. There was a question in the chat. I'll see if I can find it where somebody asked about the the offense kind of like what we saw in camp and I'm going to see if I can kind of find that question here which can always obviously when you're looking for it here it is from Caleb Collins he says how much different was the offense in fall camp compared to what you've seen now thought it would be more explosive well first of all I mean a week ago we're talking about how Notre Dame's got more plays of 40 plus yards this year than they did all of last year. And they're leading the nation in most yard 40 plus yard plays per game. You know, they're, they're averaging 40 plus points a game. And then one game happens and all of a sudden, Oh, they're not explosive. They were not explosive against Ohio state. That's a problem. There were things that we saw coming into the game that had us a little bit concerned about how would this translate? So I, I think we can have a, an overreaction in that direction as well, but, I do think, Caleb, to your point, is there are things we saw in the past game, more vertical stuff, more post routes, more, you know, more of the deep over concepts, things along those lines where they were using, they were attacking those zones a lot more in fall camp and we're not seeing it. We saw things where Chris started, and we talked about this in early in fall camp, like, man, they are force feeding the ball to Chris Tyree and he was making plays. And then we get to games and it's like, you know, just very little, you know, very little emphasis on getting him the ball. He's playing. 11, 13, 15, 18 snaps a game. And it's a little bit of a head scratcher, to be honest with you. So, yes, they need to do more things where, hey, we are designing this play to clear this guy out. We're going to run this, you know, take the backside route, run a post route, get Tobias on a drag and Tyree on an under and just high-low him with those two guys. And one of them's got a shot to get the ball. There's all types of things that they need to do in, in that regard where, you know, take Jeremiah Love on a wheel route and then bring Chris Tyree on a cross where you're isolating that backside back. Or if he runs with with Jeremiah Love, you're hitting Chris Tyree on a, on a crossing route. He's catching it and he's just sprinting. He doesn't have to make anybody miss. Catch it on the run and go. So there's certainly a lot of those type of things that I want to see uh, this offense do more with Chris Tyree and definitely Tobias. And, and part of it, too, is just what Ryan and I talked about yesterday. You got cover one. Tobias, you got to win off the line and throw him the ball. And if the guy's on him, that's fine. Throw it back shoulder. If Tobias doesn't catch it, then now you know he's not going to make that play. But give him a shot to make that play. And and there's been some post-curl routes that are coming open. But as I said, and this is on Tobias and all of them, there's just not enough urgency off the line to where Sam Hartman's got to go away from some of those routes because they're just – as a quarterback, you've got this internal clock. And if I'm like waiting, 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 i got to go somewhere else. So that's part of it too that that they've got a, that that urgency off the line could help them be in situations where maybe they're not as 
step late getting to that point. And I, I think that's something that I want to see more of. Got a super chat from Tyler Evans against Duke. Would you put the offense out first or the defense? I know Ryan answered this question yesterday. He said he would put the, the offense out first. Um, to me, I, I wouldn't go away from who I am. Like that's not the kind of re- – I, I Ryan's point was was – I loved his point on this. Just for me, if you, I'm always an offense guy goes first. That's how I've always been. But if I'm the head coach, we're going to stick to who we are. The problem was not a philosophical problem last week. The problem wasn't, you know, gee, we thought we were this, but we're not that. The problem was we didn't execute when the game was on the line. We're not going to overreact to that and, and change everything of what we're doing. We need to figure out how to execute better in these situations. That's the step. The loss to Ohio State is not one of those we blow it all up moments. It's not for me. And I'm not Tyler. I'm not saying you're saying that I, I'm speaking. This is my opinion. And because of that, and because of the fact that you're playing an offense, that's not super explosive and not a real dynamic offense, you know, put them out first, try and get a stop and, and let your offense get rolling that way. Uh, because if, if you do this and it backfires and you three and out and you're giving them, I mean, like the defense saved Notre Dame against NC State early. I mean, first drive of the game, Notre Dame goes nowhere, loses yards. Sam Hartman gets sacked. You punt the ball, and NC State starts their first drive in Notre Dame territory, and the defense stops them right away. And, you know, you, you can't do that against some better teams. You can't do that against Ohio State, and they didn't. So, to me, I would just keep doing who you're, what you're doing. That That's what I would do. Um, and if they feel like maybe that gives their offense a – you know, maybe they think they need to make that change because it'll spark the offense. That's fine. But for me, um, my my thing is just keep doing what you're doing. If you believe in doing it this way to keep doing that, that's not what necessarily needs to change, in my opinion. So, Ryan, I talked about how yesterday you had answered this question already yep. yesterday. You said you'd put the give offense the on the field first, which is not your normal thing. Yes. Give me the ball, baby. Give me the ball. Yep. We had Irish blood who says mailbag happens more this week, passing to what happens more this week, passing first downs or passing touchdowns. And what do you think the ratio of rushing to passing yards will be for Notre Dame overall? I would hope there'd be more passing first downs than touchdowns. I mean, that's a, yeah, that would be, that would be disappointing. That would be disappointing. Like unless you're running the ball, like 70% of the time where I guess that was a little different, but like still like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like last week, Notre Dame was 50 borderline 50, 50. They had 10 rushing first downs and 11 passing first downs. Yeah. So I'll say this. I I hope that Notre Dame has more passing touchdowns than passing first downs, because that means, (laughs) I don't know. Is that even possible? A touchdown count. A 30-yard touchdown counts as a first down, correct? In the stat sheet? I believe it counts as a first down Does in the stat it? sheet. I have actually never I'd have to ask, I'd have to look that. into that. <laughs> I, I always thought that it was. If it's a touchdown that converts that goes beyond what the yardage was needed for a first down. I'll have to I'll have to look at that. That's but um never thought about that. <laughs> if 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 that's I mean, yeah, I mean if they can throw 12 touchdown passes this week, that'd be great. But no, to, to your to your point, uh I, I I I think that yards wise, I mean, I kind of hope it's like a, a 55 to 60 passing yards and then like a 45 to 40 rushing yards performance. Cause then that would put Notre Dame at like, you know, I'm trying to think it's kind of doing the math off to my top of my head. If, if Notre Dame gets, you know, 200 yards rushing mm-hmm. and 260 yards passing, that's about a 40 to 45% 
of rushing. Sure. That's a pretty good day's work, man. You know, and if it's, if it's, you know, 280 or 280, you know, now you're getting closer to 40 right there, you know, and that would be an even more dynamic mark. So, I mean, anytime if Notre Dame's offense is really rolling and they're at a 40 rushing yards, 60 passing yards split, that offense is going to be really, really dynamic. So, like we had talked about coming into last week, Ryan, I think they were averaging like 200 and 203 rushing yards per game, and they were averaging like 200 and it's like 80 passing yards per game. That's a 60-40 split. That's a great place to be. And they had had three games where they were at 200 rushing yards and like five, 300 passing yards. That's literally a 60-40 split. If yeah. Notre Dame's going for 300 and 200, they're going to be v- incredibly hard to beat. I mean, they would have killed Ohio State if they did that on Saturday. I mean, they would have won by three to four for three, four touchdowns. Yeah. You know, okay. um, so if they do that against Duke, Ryan, that's, that's going to be a good day's work. As, assuming think- it's not 60-40 like you passed for 200 and you rush for, right. you know, 80. <laughs> I, those, those feel like the magic numbers, though, in college football right now, though, right? is like 300 passing yards, 200 rushing yards, and you were yeah. a really, really good team. So, yeah. Yep. We had Scott L. Scott L. had a lot of great questions today, by the way. Mm-hmm. Through five games, in what ways have the wide receivers been well coached? What ways have they improved upon since last year? What's the one way they need to grow the most? Well, they're well coached because I do think they're pretty assignment correct. They they know where they are. You don't have a whole lot of situations where the receiver's not lined up correctly. Uh, their route running has gotten better, a lot better than it's been. Yes. So in, the, in those ways, I mean, you've got two freshmen that are playing a bunch. I know they were kind of ready-made guys, but there's still a lot. They, I mean, Westlake's offense, I would hope, is and Folsom offenses were, were – very complex high school offenses. They're not more complex than what Notre Dame's doing, you know, with terminology and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, he's doing a good job there. Uh, areas where they where they need to improve. The, where's the one that the, if you if you can only limit me to one, it would be they need to they need to up their their tempo off the line. That, that's a big yeah. because so much of what they do, Ryan, is vertically oriented. They run a, a bunch of go round, a bunch of comebacks, a bunch of post stops, a bunch of posts, yeah. a bunch of seams. If it, a bunch of overs, a bunch of crossers, when you're doing that stuff, you've got to have a, you've got to have speed in a lot of those things, especially when you're playing against man. And, yep. and so to me, I, I, I need to see more of that, right. Sure. More just urgency off the line. If, if I could say two, the other one is they have not been super sharp on their top ends. They are very choppy on their top ends on in cuts and out cuts, especially in cuts. And it allows DBs to read it. Because they they come off high, and they because t- like when a receiver comes off high, normally it's because something's coming soon. Sure. And and so when I'm when they're sprinting, it's like there's a little bit more of a forward lean. And so when they come off high and their strides aren't as long, that's an easy tell for a DB that something's coming. And Notre Dame does that a lot as, with the receivers, mm-hmm. which is why they jump those in cuts. Teams jump those in cuts from the slot really easily, Ryan. This year so far. Uh, because they're they telegraph them. There's very much telegraph them. And and so that's got to be a change. The top ends, which includes more urgency with the stem, those two things kind of work together for me. If Notre Dame just improves in that regard, just right there, that's good for an extra four or five completions a game and at least at least 15, 20 yards per catch on those plays. Minimum, minimum on that yards per catch up. Because I think it could mean more comebacks more goes more things like that so minimum 15 to 20 yards per catch 
and yep. an extra five completions per game, in my opinion, to the receivers. I, I think the thing that's improved a lot but still needs to continue to get better is their releases off the line of scrimmage. I think it's yeah. definitely better than it used to be, but like it still needs to be better. Like there's still sometimes where it's just like you're you're letting defensive backs get too much into your chest and it's kind of throwing off your release. I mean, but you still see moments of really good stuff. Like I've seen some good releases by Jaden Greathouse so far. Seen some good releases by Rico Flores. I saw a good release a couple games ago by Jaden Thomas. Like there's still some really good moments of adding the release package at the line of scrimmage, but it's not consistent. Fully. Right. Tobias like, does not get yeah. held like that if he doesn't beat that guy off the line. Yeah. You have, you have to you have to be able to just get, you know, you have to be able to create some separation and get be able to stack. Like you have to be able to kind of get to that point. It's definitely getting in a better direction than it was. Cause it was bad. I mean, we forget, but like last year, the Kevin Austin was here. That guy was one of the worst release package guys I've ever seen in my life. He was terrible. Yeah. Like it was a really, but it wasn't his fault. It was the coaching that he was never getting. caught was in bad. four years. He was never taught how to do that. Right. Cause who, who was pretty good at getting off the line? Ben Skoranek. Yeah. Skoranek was pretty He good. didn't learn that at Notre Dame. Yeah, he learned that at Northwestern. Yep. Right. I mean, that, that was the, that was the problem. Even Javon McKinley, Javon McKinley never got any better getting off the line of scrimmage in Notre Dame. What he did as a fifth-year senior is stuff he was doing at, at Centennial in high school as a junior. He never got any better as a technical player. He got stronger and finally got an opportunity. He was healthy is what it came down to. But he was, ne- he was not a more technically proficient player as a fifth-year senior at Notre Dame than he was at Corona Centennial when he was dominant. In high school, well, I, I think it, I think it tells you where the the how bad they were at, at, over the last few years. Because I mean, Brian, if I said like who are two of the better release guys on the team right now, I would say Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores are two of their better ones. And it's like they are freshmen, you know, but yeah. like they played at big time programs right. and had good coaching. I mean, that's <laughs> just how that works. So. And they they went to a lot of the camps and and you know and a lot of that stuff too. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, they're that's not a good thing. That's definitely, definitely not a good thing. Johnny from the boot. We did talk about this earlier. So I just wanted to recognize the question. We did talk a little bit about a Mecca, a Mecca, Namdi Egboko earlier. Uh, Notre Dame's Notre Dame's been working on this one for a while as Ryan has laid out on the Intel last week. And we were finally able to, to talk about that once he got on campus, but um, he, he, he's, he's the kind of kid that Al Golden wants. And I think Marcus Freeman wants, they want at least one pure big, run stuffing, eat up space, interior defensive lineman. And because they, they think that fits their system better. And I'm totally fine with that, Ryan. My my only beef with how Notre Dame, the reason, the, my beef with what Notre Dame does now with using their D lineman to eat up blocks is not philosophical. It's, it doesn't fit who you are personnel wise right now. Yeah. That's my beef. If you want to go recruit Sean Savoyanos and, and Nam Bocos every year and, and Devin Houston's and so, okay, cool. You can run that kind of defense. Bodies. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yep. But you shouldn't be doing that with Riley Mills and 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 Howard Cross and and Jason Onye. That's my problem. Yeah. That that's my issue. So Onye starts getting a little bit more burned, by the way, man. I feel like every time I see him, he plays well. So, it it yeah. makes no it's just one of those many things, Ryan, that just makes no sense. It just <laughs> the, there's just so much on the defense that just doesn't make sense. That kid plays hard too, man. Yes. Onye plays hard. He makes <laughs> plays every time he's in the game. And he did not play. Now, maybe he was hurt. Maybe. Maybe that's it. He did not play a single defensive snap against Ohio State. Not one. If he's healthy, that should happen. Yeah. yeah, I just, it it just, it makes no, actually, did he play any on special teams? 
And he played five snaps on special teams on punt cover and three on field goal block. So he clearly wasn't hurt. Yeah. So I, you know, and, and again, why, why does this matter? It's, this isn't even a, you know, you're starting defensive tackles against Ohio state combined for 114 snaps, Ryan. It's wild. No, no. Right. Like, Take 10 off of those guys, and then maybe Howard Cross has a little bit more juice left on, for a pass rush on that last drive of the game, right? Maybe Riley Mills has a little bit more juice left to get an extra foot into the backfield and maybe get a hand up in Kyle McCord's faith on fourth and, face on fourth and seven on the last drive, yeah. right? It, it's not even about those guys. Oh, he needs to play over Riley Mills or Jason Onye or Howard yeah. Cross. We're not saying, saying that. that. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. Gabriel Rubio played only 12 snaps. When he was in the game, he was freaking good. Yep. You know, but it's just like, I mean, honestly, your D tackles to me as as run defenders against Ohio State were elite They're in that good, game, man. in my opinion. Agree there. Like, good. they were outstanding. But you asked them to play too much. You didn't give – I mean, okay, maybe Gabriel Rubio is not ready for more than 12 snaps, maybe, because yeah. he was coming – I mean, that's fair. He was. He hasn't, hadn't played in a month. But Jason Onya gets none? That so just weird. doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. At the very least, he deserves 10 snaps, and then maybe you take a little bit of the burden off of Howard Cross. Yep. Right? 64 snaps for your 280-pound nose tackle. Really? I actually had, like the – And he had 42 I, pass rushes on Saturday. That's too much. Yeah, it's weird. I actually really like the two deep at defensive tackle right now, too, with, yeah. with Rubio healthy. Like, I think there's a lot of talent there, man. Like, yep. I, I, And it's been good. It's it hasn't been bad. Like, I'm not saying it's been right. bad. It's been good for the most part, but it's just – Even with – yeah, even with um, with Rubio hurt in previous weeks, Ryan, it was pretty was good. good. I mean, yeah. like Jason Onye last week, he he plays against Central Michigan. Uh, he played. Let me find it. He played thirteen snaps, and he had three run stops and a pressure in that game. Against Central snaps. Michigan, yeah. Oh yeah, no, he was dominant in Central Michigan in the snaps he played. In my opinion, he played was thirteen a, snaps. Fantastic. How does that yeah, kid only play thirteen snaps in that against that? How does Josh Burnham? Only play 12 snaps against Central Michigan. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, no idea. It just, yeah. No idea. It's been yeah, I remember watching Onye during that Central Michigan game, even like being yeah. in the stadium. Dude was incredible against Central Michigan. Right. Like, incredible. How about but we see what he can you do? You only noticed him on then. the plays he snapped. Or, I mean, you noticed him on almost every play he was on the field. Yes. Isn't he, that crazy? He, he moves different, man. He moves different. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't warrant a single snap. Yeah, uh, you know it just—it's frustrating. It's very, very that frustrating. Is, that part is very frustrating. I agree because it's 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 tough because like Howard Cross has been fantastic this year. Yes, right. Like Riley Mills has been very good, but it's like you can strengthen your unit still. Though Ryan, it it's not yet. Yeah, to your point, it is not a those guys aren't good enough situation. Oh no, they're very. Good. It's they're very good. yes. It's we're talking about getting the most out of your talent. Has there been a guy more recently than Howard Cross has gotten the most out of his talent? Man, he's been fantastic. Him and Kurt Heinrich are very similar in that regard. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Howard Cross yeah. is maybe 280 pounds. Maybe. And he's just yeah. he's been your best player at times this year yeah. on defense in general. Like he's been really good. In five games, he's played over a hundred run game, just run game snaps. Just run game snaps. Yeah. You know, so um yeah, I mean, you know, Josh Burnham has played 28 run game snaps, and according to Pro Football Focus, he has Notre Dame's highest stop rate 
over 20%. 20% stop rate, Ryan, is elite. Now, yeah. it's kind of like your argument about Audrick Estime more carries. He's not going to yeah. play 30 run snaps a game and have a 21% run stop rate. But the point is, is he is impacting in the – so maybe you up his percentages by 5, 10 snaps a game. I mean, Josh Burnham's success rate for getting either pressure on the quarterback mm-hmm. or um, or stops in the in the in the run game is is I mean it's it's been outstanding this year. It's I mean he he he's your he's your best end on the team when it comes to win percentage on pass rush, mm-hmm. and he's your best defensive end on the team. And when it comes to run stop, the only guy with a higher uh, pass rush success rate than him is Tyson Ford, who's got a one hundred percent pass rush success rate because he got one pressure on one pass rush. Does he you know have one I mean? pressure on one pass rush? That's yeah. fantastic. It's uh, t- Tennessee it's State. <laughs> yeah, like, but my point is that guy has is on a on a limited basis your number one guy at win rate on on pass game and win rate on rundowns, and you played him four snaps against Ohio State. Yep. You know, it's it's that kind of stuff. Like you know, and then you know the things they've been they've been rotating guys a lot in the first couple games, and then just kind of went away from it once they got to some better teams, and. Uh, it's a shame because, like, down the stretch, like, USC, it would have been great if you would have gotten Joshua Burnham a lot more reps where it's like, in obvious past situations, maybe your ends are Jordan Patello and Joshua Burnham and you right. have a little bit more speed on the field. But, like, now and you're just going to look. Third and 10, you put Javante Jean-Baptiste and his super, super long arms up the middle. Yeah. And just say, yeah. push as hard, as far as you can, get your arm up. Put Riley hey, Mills Riley like and Javante. <laughs> yeah, on fourth yeah. and seven, Javante and Riley Mills, you're both inside, and here's your job. Push as far yeah. back as you can and get your hands up when the quarterback tries to throw the ball. And then get your speed guys off the edge. Because you know what I want Kyle, Kyle McCord trying to do on fourth and seven? Scramble. Yes. Because you had some success chasing that down, and with your speed at linebacker, you've had a success chasing that down and stopping him. I want him to – or at least give, make, give him a throw – make the throwing lanes harder to do. Yep. You know, to, to your point, but it's, uh, it's just, yeah. And the thing is, again, we're complaining about a defense that's been really good so far this year, but it wasn't good enough. And that's the thing is like, it can be better. Why settle for good when it can be great? That's my whole point. Yep. And that's why you and I always talk about process over results. The results look great. 